this morning the passage that Mark read. I've uh, been doing that most weeks. He reads a portion of the text. What he read this morning is most of the text that I'm going to preach out of, the text that I am going to preach out of, but I want to start at the beginning of the chapter reading this morning to get a little context of where we're at in, in Jesus' life and his ministry. <coughs> Excuse me. I titled the message this morning, Washing Feet. Washing Feet. And I can tell you this morning, um, I've never washed any feet that were more than three years old. <laughs> I did wash some feet yesterday. They were about that long and about that big around. Um, and, uh, but uh, this passage has always been a challenge to me. And what an example we see here of service and love for one another. The washing of feet shows humility and it shows love. It shows a compassion for people. And as we see the example of Jesus here, he's, he's telling us this is what we are to do. He, he did this as an example. Um, and he, he's nearing the end of his ministry and he's, he's showing his disciples how they are to live. Uh, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll read the passage. And this, like I said, I'm going to start in verse 1, John 13, 1, and we'll read all the way down through verse 17. But first of all, let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are almighty, that you are in control of all things. And Father, help us to continually praise you, Lord, to, uh, to look to you for all things, and in all things that you provide, be um, thankful. Lord, have gratitude and, and understanding that it is all because of your mercy and grace in our lives. Guide in the next few minutes, Lord, as we look in your word, that we would be drawn to you. Lord, that we will all humble ourselves and willingly serve one another. And Lord, knowing that doing that, we're serving you. Guide in the message. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So verse 1 of chapter 13 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Simon saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Peter is, uh, I relate to Peter so much in, in, in his impulsiveness and his brashness and, and <laughs> just gets himself in trouble so many times. Uh, and I understand his heart here. He's looking at the Lord and he's like, no, it's, you're, I should be washing your feet. So I understand Peter, but he's wrong in what he says because he's not submitted to God. And Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not... Thou hast no part with me. What a statement. If you're not obedient, you have no part in me. You're not, you're not my disciple if you do not all those things that I command. That's what he's telling Peter here. 
If you don't surrender in this part, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, you have no part in me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash it all. So immediate reversal. He understood the stakes, maybe we put it that way. Peter sees what's going on here, and Jesus says, listen, you surrender in this, or we're done. And Peter immediately surrendered. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not to not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said, or said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he saith unto, or said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you, or done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Master, or Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye, knew, if ye know these things, happy are ye, if ye do them. And I'm going to stop right there this morning. I want to look at three points. He comes to this question. He says, know you what I've done to you? Do you know what I just did? He just ask him a simple question. And then he makes a statement. You call me Master and Lord. You call me Master and Lord. That's my first point this morning. You call me Master. I want to dwell on that just a little bit. Because if I ask you today, every one of us here would say, He is Master and Lord. We readily agree. I don't think I would get any argument. But then he says, secondly, my second point is, you do what I do. If you call me master, you do what I do. And then lastly, there is joy in serving Jesus. I I love verse 17. If you know these things, what is it? What Jesus did, his example, how they should live. If you know these, Lord, and if you are a servant like he is, Happy are ye if ye do them. Not just know them, but do them. If we walk in his ways, happy are we. It's the joy, it, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the, um, good night, the word just slipped my mind. It is everybody's goal. There it is, the word goal. It is everyone's goal in life to be happy, right? We desire that. We look for it. The world looks for it day by day by day. They think it's going to be in money. They think it's going to be in success. Maybe it's in houses. If I can get my bass boat, I'll be happy. So I can go sit out on the lake and get away from the world, I'll be happy. If I could, if I could have that bigger gun, it would make me happy. All right, give me a 50 caliber. 50 caliber, I would be happy. There's all of these things that we look for, for happiness in life. And the answer is right here, and it's so simple. And I praise the Lord that He is my Redeemer, and I know Him. And I can see the truth in this, and, and, and hang on to it. So there's joy in serving Jesus. Please never let Satan convince you otherwise. Sometimes the days are hard, but there is joy in serving Him. I praise the Lord for that. First of all, I want to look at the statement he made. You call me Master and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. He tells them who he is. But he's making a statement here. You say this. You profess something. 
You, you've, you've said that I am your master. I, uh, master, according to uh, this um, e-sword, says from the Greek it could be interpreted instructor. Instructor. Master. In other words, you tell me what to do. You instruct me in life. Everything that I need to know, I turn to you. Lord is supreme in authority. Supreme in authority over all things. So if, something, if someone is supreme in authority over your life, it is though you are a slave to them. A slave has no choice on what he does during the day, has no choice on where he sleeps, has no choice on what he eats and what he wears. The slave has to answer strictly to the Lord or the Master. So when we say we're Christians, that, we're, that is what we're saying about Christ. You are my Master and my Lord. I no longer have a say in my life. Everything is yours. So I wanted to look at two things. If we say He's our Master, you call Him your Lord this morning, you will always look to Him. You will always look to Him. We know what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, right? In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. I'm going to go because my mind is getting old. And I want, to, I want to quote it right. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. If he is my master, I trust in him with all my might, with all my heart, and in all my ways I acknowledge Him. I love that statement. In every decision that I make, I acknowledge Him. I look to Him. And I say, you lead me in this. You, you make this choice for me. What would you have me to do in this situation? And every time we can go to His Word and we can find wisdom in it. In all our ways acknowledge Him. I look to His Word. If He's my Master, I want to see what He's written to me. I want to know what his message is. So you call me Master and Lord, and so I am. Have you looked in my word this week? How much time did you spend seeking me this week? He was saying, listen, I am your Master and Lord. You, You say this. How are you living? Is it evident in your life? Go with me to Isaiah. Excuse me. Isaiah chapter 26. Verses 3 and 4. Familiar passage 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord, and my Bible has it capitalized all the way across, and I love that, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. He that never changes, he that is all power, is everlasting strength. I trust in him. I lean on him. I rely on him. I always look to him. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. It's a promise. It's a promise. 
And the Lord has to remind me over and over and over and over and over and over and over in my life that when I'm leaning on my own understanding, there is no peace. I'm worrying, I'm fretting, I'm wringing my hands, I'm trying to figure something out. Yet, when I trust in Him, there's perfect peace. This is a promise. He said it. That's all we need to know. If we don't have peace, we're not trusting in Him. If we don't have peace, we're leaning on our own understanding, and that is living in sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I say He's Master and Lord. I look to Him in every situation for everything. I trust Him at all times. I know that what He's doing is right. I look to Him and then I obey all that He says. So convicted by this one so many times that we will want to question God. I wish I could say that I've come to the point in my life where I never question Him. When He says something, yes, Lord. Take that step. Yes, Lord. Speak to that individual. Yes, Lord. Give this up. Yes, Lord. Change this in your life. And we don't hesitate. If He's my Master and my Lord, I, I trust Him in everything. And I will obey Him in everything. We want to hold on to so much in our life. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. We're going to read verse 12 and 13. I like these verses that tell us what is required, what we should do. Something that's straightforward and plain. It, it helps my little simple mind grasp it. Don't speak in code to me. That's how a man's mind works. We don't like beating around the bush. Let's, let's get to the point and say what needs to be said. He says in verse 12, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, to keep the commandment of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Now, Israel, what does the Lord require? Reverence the Lord and obey the Lord. Follow him. When I say he's my master, I trust him. Like I said, every one of us would say he's our master this morning. And I, and I praise the Lord for that. I'm not trying to cast doubt on, on our, our, our commitment. I believe that we truly love him. But when I say he's my master, I'm convicted that every single day is he my master in every single thing. Am I, am I completely obedient and submitted, submitted to his will? Moment by moment. He called me master and Lord and so I am. <laughs> yes, I am. You say well, he said back in 13, for so I am. If he is our master, we willingly follow all his commands. So, you call me master, first of all, is what he tells him. And then he says in verse 14 through 16, you do what I do. If you're my master, and I just broached the subject of obedience, but let's look at what he did here. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, 
ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you. It's, it's an interesting thought to think about sitting down and washing someone else's feet. I've watched, when I was a kid, I watched my mom wash some people's feet, some people that were bedridden, and I was like, I'll never do that. No way. But it was an example of compassion. She put aside her pride. She put aside the repulsion because it was, it was that way. She set all of that aside that was her flesh, and she went and washed the feet. She took care of a need that was necessary, that needed done, that they could not go on without. Somebody had to step up and do that. Now, I'm not, we're not going to start washing each other's feet here at church. But what is it that I will not do for you, or you will not do for me? Where do we draw the line in this example of what Jesus did for his disciples? The creator of all the universe got down on his hands and knees and washed their feet. And he said, so this is my example. This is what you are to do. You're to humble yourself and serve. Serve willingly. Serve willingly. And those things that are demeaning, those things that maybe don't get attention, maybe those things that, that we, we find so difficult to do. Go to a foreign field and see what missionaries deal with at times. The places that they go. And, and they go willingly. Why? Because they see He's Master and Lord and they say, I'm here to serve. I want to be like Christ, and so I'm going to set aside all of my preconceived notions and all of my pride, and I'm going to go willingly do what is necessary to be done. There's so many things that, that I have, as a young man, said, I will never do that. <laughs> but if it's in the service of the Lord, we've got to be willing to do whatever. Willingly serve. Take those things that the other person needs and put them above yourself. Are you willing to wash one another's feet? Have you humbled yourself? It says so much in Proverbs about wisdom. It says so much about slothfulness. And it's, it says just as almost as much about pride and humility. That pride and and I mean, humility and wisdom are equated in that book. That if there is any, if there's any pride in my life, there's no wisdom. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of myself too highly. I've decided that I am worth something or that I have uh, something owed to me. There's something that should be done for me. I wish we could get that out of our mind as Christians. If anyone was owed anything, it was the Lord Himself, and yet He says, what I've done, you do. So I'm not owed anything. You're not owed anything. If I can just stop and get a hold of that, humble myself and say, flesh, die daily, 
I'm going out and I'm going to serve others today. If I can be a blessing to someone, I will do so today at a cost to myself. I have a feeling the feet of the disciples didn't smell very good. They weren't very clean. They walked everywhere they went and they wore sandals. There was livestock around. If you've grown up around livestock and you've walked around livestock, your feet get pretty dirty. I was barefoot all the time on the farm. If I could run outside barefoot, I did. If it was warm enough that I could handle it, I never wore shoes. And I know when I came in the house, my mom probably was dying as, <laughs> as I come in. My feet are all grody and dirty and smell. This is what I picture of the, the people then walking around in sandals. And so it's repulsive to think about getting down and washing their feet. I know I'm being... I'm not being exactly specific this morning, but if you have any area in your life, you're like, I'm not humbling myself to do that. I'm better than that. You're not like Christ. He's not your master and your Lord. If there's an area of pride in your life this morning, you're not following Him. We have, we have the idea in America that we have these rights, unalienable rights, and I praise the Lord for our Bill of Rights, I praise the Lord for our Constitution, I praise the Lord for our country, and the things that we are given here. But it is a privilege. It is by God's mercy that we have these things. There's, there's 7 billion people outside the United States that don't live with the blessings that we have. So we're not owed anything. We don't deserve anything. We should be willing to serve no matter the cost. Wash someone's feet, if that's what it takes, to win them to the Lord. What about that? If you, if you had someone and they needed that service done and you humbled yourself and that person got saved, it's worth it and Christ is honored. You're following His example. You do what I do. If you call me Master, you follow me. And then I wanted to look at verse 17 because this verse sticks out to me so much. If you know these things... Happy are ye if ye do them. The only fulfillment in life is walking with Christ. The only fulfillment is knowing Him and walking with Him and serving Him. And that goes for every single individual that has ever accepted Christ as their Savior. I was, I was dwelling on it this morning, and I was thinking about serving Christ, and we, we look at serving Him as those that are in full-time ministry. right? And I, I wish we could get rid of that term. I'm kind of tired of that term entirely. Full-time ministry. Well, okay, so I make my living as a pastor, right? The church pays me a salary, so it is my job. But every one of you are full-time in the ministry. Everyone that knows Christ is a full-time ambassador for Him. You don't have time off, and neither do I. So you serve Him as well as I do. And... and Probably better. We, we, have, we have a responsibility, each and every one of us, to serve Him with the whole heart, to be in, in the full-time ministry for God. I, I, I talked about peace already this morning, but go with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. 
Why do we view peace as a thing in the future? I know that I do in my life many times. I see it as something that's out there. But Christian, it's for right now. It's for the moment-by-moment life walking with Him. There should be peace, and it comes when we serve Him. It comes when we're active and we're following Him. I, I like verse 31 in 1 Corinthians 10. Whatsoever ye, or wherefore, let me slow down, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. thought about that as, as, a, as a thing for peace. All right, I'm talking about having contentment in my life. Well, if all that I do is for the glory of God, I'm content. Because nothing that I'm doing is for me. Nothing that I'm doing is to bring me anything. It is for Him. So if at the end of the day I know that I live for His glory that day, my day is complete, full, and there's contentment. If I've strove all day long for something for myself, if I've worked all day long to give me some attention, or I want somebody to notice me, to compliment me, to give me something, if it's about me, there's no contentment at the end of the day. It's never enough. But in humility, peace is in glorifying God. In glorifying God. Matthew chapter 6, it's in trusting Him. Walking with God, having a heavenly focus. Another familiar passage, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's talking about our clothing, our food, uh, our, our, uh, our needs day by day. What do, what do you need moment by moment? It says, verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Just stop thinking about the things of this life and what we need and what we want and have a heavenly focus. When I have a heavenly focus, I serve Him. When I have a heavenly focus, I have peace because all that He's given me is enough. I, I'm, I'm living a life of gratitude, of thankfulness, of of trusting Him when I understand it's all for His glory. I'm not going to be worried about it. Well, how am I going to feed my family tomorrow? What happens if my air conditioner breaks down? What happens if my vehicle breaks down? What happens if I lose my job? What if, what if, what if, if we consider, if we think on those things, we're going to go mad? If I trust God, I say today He's all-powerful. Today He's in control. Today I'm surrendered to Him. Today I'm seeking to serve others. I'm going to serve the Lord today. And in that, there is peace. And I live the day that way, and then tomorrow, sufficient is the evil thereof. I'll, I'll, I'll be trusting Him again. And whatever comes, if the vehicle does break down, if I'm in a car accident and I'm wounded, I'm trusting Him and I'm walking with Him and those things don't take away our peace. I'm seeking to please the Lord and to serve others. Get our mind completely off of ourself. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. 
be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. The peace that passeth all understanding. It's not something that is unattainable. It's not something that is outside of your reach. God's will for you is to have peace. Moment by moment, every single day, walking in with Him, serving Him. There's, there's peace and there's fulfillment. I think about joy or being happy. Being happy is having peace and having fulfillment. Having, having a purpose in life is what the world looks for as well and they'll never find it outside of Christ. And I'll never stop preaching this. <laughs> that your life has purpose in Jesus your life has purpose in serving Him. Your life has purpose when you're growing in Christ. And it does not outside of that. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 25. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... The Word of God, whoso opens up the Word of God, looks in it, and continueth therein, obeys, serves the Lord, is willing to change, obeys God in everything. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, serving God. And whatever, whatever uh, position he asks us to serve him in, so maybe the Lord sends you to the mission field. As a kid, as a child growing up, and I, and I appreciate my parents doing this, that was like the highest goal in life. There was nothing greater than the Lord sending us to the mission field. It was a goal of mine. I, I dreamed of that. And I look at that and I'm thankful that that surrender to God's direction in my life was taught. But it's a little bit wrong in that the center of God's will is the highest I can attain. No matter what position it is, I would, I would love to see missionaries sent out of our church. What a blessing that would be if that's God's will for your life. And there are millions without Him that need to hear the gospel. But just be willing to serve Him in everything. He says, but a doer of the work of the job that you're given right now today just do that maybe it's a co-worker that needs witness to this week they're lost and you know it and God's going to open up an opportunity for you to speak to them this week and give you a chance to show them the way be a doer of the work when God says, step up, we're going to step up. We're going to, by faith, follow Him, knowing that He's going to give us the strength to do it. He's going to give us the wisdom to do it, and He's going to give us peace in doing it. This man shall be blessed in his deed. You're going to be blessed in that obedience. 
You may not see the result today. You may not see it for 20 years, but you're blessed in the deed. God is going to strengthen your soul when you obey Him. Satan may come along and discourage us and say, well, nothing's going on. God is going to bless your soul when you obey and do the work that He's given you to do. Blessed. It's the same as happy. It's fulfilled. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to read verse 51 down through 58 this morning. Have you got verse 58 memorized? <laughs> I preach out of this verse a lot. I love verse 58. Verse 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. This old flesh is gone, in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know what the immortal is going to look like. I don't know what the incorruptible is going to be like, but I know that it is perfect. What a thought. When the trump sounds, in, in an instant, everything is changed. This, this flesh that we fight with every single day is gone. No more sin. No more sorrow. No more separation from Christ in any way. We're going to be in His presence for all of eternity. So, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. What an amazing verse. I, I wish I could do it justice and make it resound through the world. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory in Him. There is, there is fulfillment in Him. There's, there's success in life in Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of this, what, I, what we just read, because this corruptible is going, to be put, uh, is going to be done away with. I'm going to be incorruptible. You're going to be walking with Him. Immort immortal. <laughs> In a body that's perfect for all of eternity. Where death is swallowed up, victory is ours today. Therefore, because of these things, my beloved brethren... Be ye steadfast, grounded, firm, got a foundation under us. That anchor holds, we sang it this morning. I can feel the stormy blast. My anchor stands on the rock. I'm steadfast in Jesus Christ. Steadfast, unmovable. Unmovable. You can't... You can't shake the foundations of my faith. That's what that means. All that comes to life, all that comes to me in life, I stand on the rock. I say, He is 
the same today, yesterday, and forever. It doesn't matter. Job, after he lost it all, what did he say? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's unmovable. That is how I'm supposed to be. Death is swallowed up in victory. Christ is mine. So therefore, I should be unmovable. And then he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding in it. We need to pray for Daniel Holmes. The, the, as, they are, as they are in the mission field and, the, and some uncertainty of their future. We don't know what's going to happen there. They don't either. There is danger there. That guy abounds in the work of the Lord. He is energetic. The first time I met him, that's what I knew about him. He has a zeal for God. He wants to get something done. And God is using him. And I pray this for him. That he be unmovable as things come. That nothing discourages him from his, his zeal for serving God. They have an opportunity right now that they probably won't have again. As everyone around them is in the same situation. Uncertainty. They're looking for something to hold on to. And he has the answer. Christian, we look around us in our world today and it's kind of chaotic even here in the States. So many living in fear. We can abound in the work of the Lord because we have something to give them to make them steadfast, unmovable, to have security and peace in their life. And Christian, there's fulfillment in that. He said always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not, in, as you know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. We can do so many things that don't amount to anything. I've started a project right now at our house. And it's not wrong to do improvements to your home. Please don't get me wrong. If I believed it, I'm the biggest hypocrite walking. But we're gutting out our bedroom and we're remodeling the master bedroom in the house. It is a war zone right now. All you see when you walk in is debris on the floor and bare studs. That's what a bedroom looks like. And I've got some work ahead of me to get it back where we can get out of the girls' room and put our house back in order. But 20 years from now, 50 years from now, what difference is it going to make? If that was all my focus was to make that house as nice as I could possibly make it, live my life to retire somewhere in a really nice house, my life is empty and vain. And that's why there's people committing suicide in our world today. Because there's no purpose in their life. But if I abound in the work of the Lord, I know that my labor is not in vain. My life is fulfilled in serving Him. Jesus said... If you know these things, if you follow my example, if you will live like I lived, wash one another's feet, be submissive and, and humble, get rid of the pride, happy are ye. Happy. Only in service is there joy. If we are humbly following Christ, we'll be happy. We'll be happy. Don't let Satan convince us otherwise. There's no joy out in this world. 
There's joy in serving Him. Fulfillment and peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you for your example given to us here in, in the book of John. And Father, I'm so grateful for your word.